Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerberg. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. So we are continuing on with our series, What Are You Building? And uh, it's, such a, it's such a practical word. The Word of God is very practical. If we look at the teachings of Jesus, it was very practical. Um, the metaphors, the parables, all of those things that he shared was very practical, but then so much more what we find in the New Testament letters, it becomes even more practical because they further go and explain to us the meaning and the purpose of some of those parables that were confusing in uh, uh, Jesus' ministry. Recapping just on last week's message, Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And so last week we just covered again this, this, uh, this picture of how we're building, what materials we're building with. If it's not in according with God's standard, then we are wasting our time. It might look amazing in light of the world, in light of what the, 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 the world is building, if we look at and consider the, the, um, the Dubai, um, as I was flying back from Albania um, last year, one of the passengers that I got to connect with, uh, Emilio, which, uh, um, which I'm uh, seeking or um, reaching out to, ministering to him, a guy originally from Spain living in France now, he shared with me, which I, I never knew, is that Dubai, basically what you're seeing in Dubai today was, uh, um, was built in the last 30 years, which is like mind-blowing if you haven't seen pictures of dubai and what's going on there like it's mind-blowing and so what we see in in dubai in worldly standards it's like man it blows your mind but in accordance to god's standards that's nothing it means nothing because dubai what they are building and what they are uh, heaping up for themselves is not being taken into eternity unless there are people in dubai sharing the gospel and helping people come to know the knowledge of christ and who he is that will be uh, recorded in light of eternity. So we really need to look and uh, be careful and pay attention to how we're building. And so we covered that last week. Unless the Lord builds a house, unless we do it in uh, collaboration with God, we will be laboring in vain. And then we closed off with these few questions that I want to just use as as an introduction this morning. What are you building and how are you building? We asked that last week. Are you busy with the work God has assigned to you and me? Or are you just busy with a work? Are you growing and becoming a skilled master builder for the kingdom of God? We ask that question. Are you growing and becoming, as Paul called himself, a skilled master builder for the kingdom of God? Now, challenging question I want to open up, and uh, this is not applicable to anyone who missed last week's message. So um, it's not a good thing necessarily that you missed last week's message, but uh, if you missed the message, then this uh, question is not 100% applicable to you. And the question is this, who have you built differently this past week in light of what was shared in last week's message? Who have you built differently this past week in light of the message and the truth you received last week Sunday morning? Anyone want to be honest and say like, okay, cool, this is what I received, this is what I heard, this is what I purposed, and I maybe uh, needed some alignment, and so I aligned, and I built differently this past week. Any uh, honest uh, few here? Thanks, God. Well, thanks, Charmaine. So I'm assuming the rest of you did nothing with what you received last week. And we'll start off with a good word is a challenging word. Now, what did Albert Einstein say about insanity? It's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. 
So who of you are expecting different results in your life this, this year? Who of you are expecting different results? Now are you going to be insane and doing the same thing over and over again and thinking and hoping and wishing and a, I don't know what else, thinking you're going to get different results by doing the same things that you did last year or last week? Nothing really in light of the word and the truth we're receiving. We looked at that last week as well, and I'll just uh, uh, phrase it quickly from Matthew chapter 7, the wise man and the fool. The truth of God's word and the illustrations that Jesus used throughout the word is timeless, right? So Jesus talking about the wise man building his house on the rock and the fool building his house in the sand. Each one of us this morning, last week, every Sunday, as we get into the word, as a group of people corporately here this morning, we are receiving the same word. But all of us are going to respond differently to this word. No response means foolishness. That is what the fool did. He went to build his house on the sand, on everything other than Jesus' instructions. Now, Jesus' instructions is not heavy. Jesus says he's, the, 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 the things he's inviting us to, it's not heavy. It's not burdensome. It is light. Why is it light? Because he's our empowering. Why is it light? Because as we come to realize that what God has got for us is better than this world can give to us, when we come to realize that God's will and purpose for our life will satisfy us more than anything in this world can, then we start running in our lane. Then we start operating and functioning as God designed and fun- uh, created us to function. I often use this example of a Formula One car. If you're going to put uh, uh, Verstappen's uh, F1 car on a rally course, He's not going to accomplish much, right? Greatest driver, I know some of you think uh, Lewis Hamilton's the greatest driver. Um, but if you, uh, if you put Verstappen on a, in a Formula One car, on a rally course, he's not going to go f- very far. Because that Formula One car was not created, designed to function and operate on that course, on that track. Each one of you were created for a purpose. And if you try and live out your purpose outside of your design, you'll go nowhere very slowly. And we need to wake up to the reality of Christianity, of what God has called us to, what God has destined each one of us for, because then we're going to start operating and functioning and actually start thriving in this life through the power and the enabling of God. Amen. So we don't want to be insane. So next week when I ask you guys, did you do anything with the word you received? I trust that more than two people will put up their hand and said, I went to go and apply some of these truths in my word. I went to do some course corrections and a lot of these truths because I don't want to be insane. I don't want to be deemed a fool. And you guess what? I don't determine whether you are a fool or not. Guess who determines whether you are a fool or not? It's not God. You. Say, I have the power. To be called a fool or a wise man. Amen. That is amazing. Like other people don't get to determine that for us. Each one of us determines whether we're going to be called a fool or a wise man. And it all boils down to are we responding and reacting to the word of God. Habakkuk um, 2 verse 2 says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that he may run who reads it. So the question here this morning and what our focus is going to be for this year and in light of what are you building with is have you made your vision and the purposes and the plans you've got for this year, have you made it plain? 
Now, some of us are really great at, uh, when we're looking at New Year's resolutions, at those practical goals, fitness goals, financial goals. We, we're very, we're very uh, um, diligent when it comes to those kind of things because ultimately, our fitness goals, being fit for some of it, it's a matter of, of health, stewarding your body. It's a matter of you stewarding your body means that you're stewarding your ministry. That is how I apply it. Me stewarding my health means I'm stewarding my family. But for others, stewarding their health and having fitness goals, it's more self-centered. It's about how am I going to look? How are people going to look at me when I, I, I rock up at the beach and take my shirt off? Like, that's self-centered. So you can have a fitness goal and the motivation can either be self-centered or it can be kingdom. And the same with finances. You can have financial goals this year, but it can either be self-centered or kingdom. And that's what we're wanting to determine. And with regards to this instruction from Habakkuk, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that he who reads it may run. So if we're not making it plain, if we're not strategic and purposeful about planning and, uh, and setting out things for this year, for our lives, for a uh, relationship with God, then we're not going to excel in those things. We need to make it plain. We need to be obvious about it. If it's not clear, Satan and this world will make it very clear for you. If your calendar, if you don't plan your calendar, the world will plan it for you. And when the world starts planning your calendar, it leads to unfruitfulness. It leads to having being idle, and no person ever in their idleness accomplished much for the kingdom of God, and all, ultimately, on the contrary, fell into a whole bunch of Mess. Look at David, for example. When kings were out on the battlefield, where was David? Up on the roof, getting a tan in. And then observing a beautiful woman, taking a bath. And you guys know the rest of the story. Let's not be idle. Let's be purposeful about how we're planning our, our, our calendars. How we're planning and purposing this year. Because if we're not, then Satan in this world will make it very clear for us. There's no neutral in the Christian life. We don't get a neutral gear. We're either going forward or we're going backwards. And I'm not talking about backsliding. Praise God, there's no backsliding in the sense of when you make mistakes or when you're falling into this world, then you're kind of falling so, so much backwards that now you have to kind of re-establish your relationship with God. No. Praise God. This is the picture. When you turn your back on God, so to speak, the moment you turn around, guess who's there in front of you? God. He's always there. You, can't, you cannot outrun Him. His goodness and mercy is hunting you down. So don't try and get away from it. His presence, He'll never leave you nor forsake you. You might want to leave Him. You might want to run away from Him. And yes, you'll, call a, you, you'll cause a mess for your life. You'll cause a mess in the relationship around you. But from God's point of view, He's not offended at your mess. He's not afraid at your mess. But there is no neutral. We're either excelling and moving forward with the things of God and maturing as a child of God, or we're kind of stagnating and, uh, and actually going backwards in a sense. Because, like I said, the world and the devil is out to get us. We don't need to be afraid of it, we, we need to acknowledge it. Peter talks about this. Your, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So he's out to get you, so to speak. But praise God, he's actually just a toothless pussycat. Right? He doesn't have a foot to stand on, he's defeated. Jesus accomplished that for us. So you don't need to be fearful of Him. I love this testimony. Uh, I, I can't remember if it was um, 
It was one of the awesome examples in, in, the, in the body of Christ. He's passed away right now, um, uh, which had amazing stances on, on healing and things like that. And one, one night he had a, um, he had a, didn't have, he had a manifestation of sorts and he, um, he saw the devil at his, at his foot post. He woke up and he's like, oh, it's just you. And he went back to sleep. Why? Because who, who's on our side, who's living on the inside of us is greater than anything in this world. Greater than Satan himself. So you don't need to be afraid of him. I'll mock him. I'll make jokes of him. Because tonight when I go to bed, I go to bed at peace, at ease, because God is fighting my battles. God in, in me is greater than anything in this world. So that is the blessing that we have as believers. But if we don't believe it, we won't have the confidence to stand on it. So we are either, either moving forward and maturing as God's children, or we're going backwards and conforming to the culture of this world. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 to 4. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. We live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us and no one will find fault with our ministry. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. Firstly, kicking off with and opening up with this statement, as God's partners. God calls us His partners. If you think about a business relationship, when there's, there's a talks of partnership, there's value in that, right? It's not like, oh, this is just a partner. No, when there's partnership, there's buy-in. And praise God, we are called these partners. We are called to co-labor with Him. God could have chosen to do it without us. I'm glad for one that God did not choose to do what He wants to accomplish in this earth without me. Because it is a joy, it is a privilege, it is an honor to be called a partner of God. And each one of you are called a partner of God. But you determine how much partnership you're going to have with God in this life, in your life. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. What kind of gift is this? What do they call this gift? It's a marvelous gift. A life-changing gift. Indescribable. This gift of life that God came to bring us. But what is the instruction here? What is Paul and the partners he's referring to? What are they begging the believers on? To not just accept this gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. Why is this a begging matter? Because still today, this is what happens. In some of you, this is what's happening in your lives. And it's not to feel condemned. It's to wake up and realize what life is about so that you can actually move forward and make the course corrections you need to make. Amen? If, if, if truth out there was just a mystery and we were uncertain about truth and if we were uncertain about what's God's calling, what's His purpose for my life, then it would very much be a sucky matter, right? If it was like, oh, I wonder if I'm living on purpose. I wonder if I'm like living in the will of God. And a lot of be, uh, be believers, because of bad teaching, are uncertain of their calling and their purpose. They're asking questions of like, oh, is it God's will for me to become a doctor? Or is it really His will for me to become a, a rugby player? Or is His will for me to be a lawyer? Or is His will for me to... You fill in the blank. 
Your vocation and your career is not the most important thing on God's heart for you. Careers come and go. People's degrees come and go with regards to studying one thing, doing something completely different at the end of their, their, their study field. Those things aren't the most important thing on God's heart. What is the most important thing on God's heart? 1 Timothy 2 verse 4. Who wills all men to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. God's will for this world is for people's salvation and for people to come to knowledge of the truth. Now praise God, your career is a vehicle to accomplish that. Your career puts you in places of influence. Especially if you're good at what you're doing. Not so much if you're not good at what you're doing. If you're lazy, if you rock up late for meetings, then people aren't going to take you seriously. We need to use the structure of this world to gain influence with men so that we can accomplish the will of God for men to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth, of who Christ is, what God's will for us is. So the question is this. Have we accepted God's marvelous gift of of kindness, and have we become to ignore it? Have we ignored what this all means for us? Because this is a begging matter from Paul. This is something that is true of all of us in some way or another. Have we forgotten what God's gift is all about? Are we ignoring it because the pleasures of this life is just too good? Salvation is not just about responding to and receiving the gift of Jesus. It's not just about receiving and accepting this marvelous gift, but it's also about coming to understand what it all means. So ignoring it is not just for those kind of uh, believers out there who are purposefully just living like the world and indulging in the world, but all of us are also ignoring it in some way or another if we're not asking continually Am I growing in my relationship with God? Am I allowing myself to ask that question to others to answer it for myself? If you look at me, are you guys seeing someone who's growing and maturing in their their relationship with God or someone who's just kind of plateauing? We need to be open enough to ask those kind of questions. Are you seeing more fruit of who Jesus is in the Bible in my life or are you seeing less of that? Because this, this, this picture of ignoring, we can always, we can often just kind of say like, yeah, it's, no, it's for those extreme believers who are completely and utterly not pursuing God's kingdom, never at church, never open up in their Bible. All they know is John 3 verse 16, and when they paraphrase it, they kind of paraphrase it horribly as if it's like something you don't even recognize. No, all of us in some way or another need to continue to ask ourselves this question. This gift of God's marvelous mercies, the gift of life, Jesus that we've received, are we growing and coming to understand that? Because that's God's will, according to 1 Timothy 2.4. Not just receiving the gift, not just accepting the gift, but growing in understanding and in knowledge of what this all means for us. Because without understanding, there will be no fruitfulness. So some of you are experiencing a lack of fruitfulness in your walk with God because there's a lack of understanding. You're not growing in understanding. You're not pursuing truth. Truth is not just going to fall on you like... This weather has fallen on us this past week and it's just been uh, quite, quite crazy. Truth is something that needs to be seeked out. But praise God, what is the promise? When you knock, when you seek, when you ask, there is an answer. There is a discovery that is bound to come. 
So as we have this posture of humility and openness to seek, to discover, we will discover, we will find an answer. Galatians chapter 3 verse 1 to 7 says, O foolish Galatians, so we're talking about the same picture, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of His death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. This is amazing. I don't know how churches and movements kind of, uh, they've, they've probably ripped out Galatians chapter 3 out of their, out of their Bibles because so, for so many believers, they're living their lives contrary to this instruction, what we find here. They're living their, their, their lives as Paul addresses them here. People with the evil spell cast over them. Why? Because they've forgotten the meaning of Jesus Christ's death. They are living their relationship with God and thinking that their growth and maturing in their relationship with God is based on their, their good works, based on their ability to perform and to adhere to the law of Moses. What does Paul say? Of course not. This is not what it is about. This is not what salvation is about. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? So some believers at least get the first part of this right. They're like, yeah, no, praise God. Uh, it's, it's by grace, through faith. I've received Jesus. It's completely by His goodness. It's completely by His love. I've received this gift. And then from there, it's like, okay, cool. Like, Jesus, you've done your part. Now I'm going to do my part. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to tithe uh, diligently every month because otherwise if I don't, then... Uh, the, 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 the Godfather can come around and uh, claim uh, some of my debt in, in medical bills and in uh, uh, appliances breaking and things like that. It's not the Godfather, it's God the Father. If we don't see Him as God the Father, we're going to view Him as this, this, uh, uh, this schizophrenic God who one moment wants to bless us, the next moment wants to come and take something from us. The moment, one moment wants us to be healthy, the next moment He wants us to be sick to teach us something. What do, what do uh, the medical field call that? Schizophrenia. Let's call it what it is, right? It's not complicated. God is good and in Him there is no darkness. God is love. In Him there is no darkness. It's not one moment love and the next moment love in the form of sickness. There has not been one moment in either of my son's lives where they were sick where I was like, man, I hope you learned something from this sickness. Or when they are healthy and I'm like, man, they're just not fulfilling their chores and things like this. I'm not going to put a sickness on them. I'm going to now step on their toes to break it so that they can sit down a little bit more and actually listen to what I have to say. It's ridiculous when I paint it out like that, right? But then we view God as that. And what did Jesus say? He drew this perfect comparison, illustration, and said, if you on earth as parents being evil now to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly Father? So in human comparison, we know what is good and what is evil, what is beneficial and what is not. How much, not, how much more doesn't God know those things? So it's not just a matter of receiving it by grace through faith, but it's continuing. How foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own 
human effort. The speech of perfection can also be uh, rephrased as, why are you not trying to mature by your own human effort? By doing all of these things, uh, putting all of these things together, like having, having and setting out goals and things and uh, 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 stopping to do certain things because it's bad for you. All of that is not, not evil. It's not bad. But if you de- depend on yourself, as uh, I often hear about uh, people sharing their testimony and there's a horrible testimony of someone um, that I bumped into. They were part of the church and then they, le- they, they left the ministry. But um, the husband specifically struggled with uh, drug addictions for a long period of time. And then uh, it caused a lot of uh, problems for his, uh, for his marriage. They left the marriage for, for various reasons. And then after probably like two, three years, I bumped into again. And I didn't recognize him. Uh, he picked up so much weight. And his testimony was he's off of drugs now. So obviously he's healthier. His body is actually able to um, take in nutrients and things like that. And um, his testimony was like, I think it was within the first few moments of our sharing. He's like, Man, Etienne, I'm I'm doing so well. I'm sober for this last uh, year, and I'm doing like I'm doing so great. And and it was just like he was covering it up as like God having done this. But by the way that he was talking, it was apparent that he was boasting about his ability to say no to drugs for the last year. And it was only a matter of time that I stopped seeing him again. And I'm assuming I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm assuming he just fell back into his old ways. Because that's a problem with if you want to break free from addictions in your own human effort and power, you will fail. But the challenge is this, you might succeed, but that success will be short-lived. Because there's nothing you can do in the natural as good as what God can do in the supernatural. But the temptation is always this, that little bit of success that we see in doing it in the natural, accomplishing something in the natural, seeing some fruitfulness in the natural, the challenge is this then we, we think that we can continue maintaining it in the natural. But that was not God's plan and His purpose. He did not give us His Holy Spirit so that we can go and do it in the natural. He didn't give us the Holy Spirit so we can continue from there on to do it based on human effort and performance. Colossians 2 verse 6 says also the same, uh, the same uh, truth. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to walk in Him. How did we receive Christ Jesus the Lord? By grace through faith. His unmerited favor. His goodness. His love. That is how you continue to walk in salvation. Based on His goodness. Based on His empowering. So Paul is addressing the same problem to the church of Galatia as he did to the church of Corinth. Don't forget where you've come from. Don't forget how God has empowered you to live this life. Verse 4. Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. Who are the real children of God? Those who obey the law of Moses? No. Those who put their faith in God. Those who put their faith in Jesus. And I know, for religious bones, this is offensive. For people who have lived their whole life performing for God, comparing themselves with other people, thinking that they are better than others, this is offensive. This is a bitter taste in their mouth. 
But when we embrace this as the truth of who God is and His system, His structure, His way, we will see fruitfulness. We will see freedom. And I know of many people who, who were brought up with religious bones and, 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 and having to perform for God. And initially, these truths are offensive and disappointing in some, in some way. But as they just calm themselves down and keep a humble posture to the Word, and embrace the word with meekness, meaning teachability, they come to see these truths. And before they know it, they forget about their past, they put it behind them, and they embrace the reality and the current reality of who God is, and they start bearing the fruitfulness that God destined them to bear through the empowering of His Spirit, not our good works. Because oftentimes we find ourselves in a position where someone needs prayer, and we're like, and can I really pray for them? I just lost my temper at my wife and my children and they frustrated me. Can I really uh, minister the word this morning because the kids really just tested me this morning. I had a bad night's rest. Like, can I really do it? Praise God, I can. Because it's not based on my works and my performance. It's based on His working. It's based on His Spirit in me. Now, that is not to say that I can go and live as an unbeliever because I've at least got His Spirit inside of me and I'm just going to depend on it when the moment is uh, required to do that. No. That will be a horrible testimony. And it will make it difficult for you guys to receive the truth that I've got to share. If I'm just living as I want, as I please because of God's grace. No, we want to set an example in the natural because the unbeliever out there, guess what? The unbelievers in your life don't see your spirit. They can't see your spirit. They can only see your works. The unbelievers out there in the world don't need to see more believers who've got God's spirit living inside of them. They need, more, need to see more believers who've got God's spirit living inside of them coming outside of them. They need to see the upon manifestation of God's spirit in their lives. They need to see transformation in the believer's life. Because otherwise they won't want to have anything to do with our, us and our religion. The Muslim out there need to see more believers who are uh, they need to see more believers who are radically impacted, cut to the core of our hearts, living selflessly for God and His kingdom. Because so many Muslims out there are living better lives than a bunch of us in this room, living more dedicated to their God than we are. Now, it's not making what they believe true, but it's a good question that we need to ask ourselves. How much am I convinced of who God is and what He's called me to, what He's done for me? The problem lies between our ears. What do you believe? If you're not growing in your understanding of who God is, you cannot expect to enjoy the transformation that He desires for us to experience and to enjoy Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God, the Gospel of Christ, the message of God specifically. I love how the New Living Translation puts this. You receive the Spirit because you believe the message you heard about Christ. The Gospel is the message about Christ. The Gospel has got nothing to do with anything else. It's the message about Christ. His death, His resurrection, the forgiveness of your sins, the empowering God's Spirit in you to live out of you. That is the message of Christ that the world needs to hear. It's a universal message that is applicable to every person on this earth. The healthy person, if your message of the gospel, your version is not applicable to them, 
it's not the gospel. If your message uh, is about finances and it's not applicable to Elon Musk, for example, it's not the gospel. The gospel of Christ, the message of Christ is applicable, universal to this whole earth. The rich, the poor, the healthy, the sick, the spiritually uh, oppressed, the spiritually free in some ways. It is applicable to every person on the face of the earth. And every person has either got got the lack of God's Spirit or they've got the empowering of God's Spirit. That is the problem of the world. Not enjoying oneness with God, enjoying relationship with God. The poverty we see in the world, the corruption we see in this world, it's all the result and the fruit of something. Living separated lives from who God is. And as the believer, the more we become convinced of our callings, our purposes in the life that Jesus came to die for us for, the more we'll start having an impact on this earth, on this world. So maturing as a child of God is not a matter of human effort or carnality. It's a matter of faith. Believing the message of Christ. Growing in what that means. I like to say it like this. Faith, a.k.a. believing God's word and His message and making it your own. Because we often hear great messages in church and online and there's great teachings out there. You've got, uh, we've got amazing teachers within the body of Christ and within the family of Grace Life and the overseas pastor Isaac like always sharing amazing truths with, us, with, truths with us. But your faith will only come to maturity when you become a, a child of God who values and honors His Word firstly and secondly by doing so making the the Word of God personal to you. It's personal to me. And it's getting more personal to me. But until it becomes personal to you, it will not produce much fruitfulness. It's like any human relationship. The degree to which you are enjoying the relationship of the person sitting next to you is the degree to which you know that person, to which you understand that person. And the same for us with God. So it's allowing the Word to become our ultimate reality, allowing Him and His Word to ru- have the run of the house. We're coming to a close. Jumping back to Second Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 6. Today is the day of salvation. We need to realize and understand that the day of salvation is a matter of urgency. Today, every day is a matter of urgency for God, from God's point of view. But if it doesn't become a matter of urgency for us, we will not see fruitfulness we will not see an impact our decisions will become very passive but if if life and salvation is a matter of urgency to us our decisions will look very differently as to when we leave to go to do shopping when we go to work when life and salvation becomes a matter of urgency it will show in how we're making decisions how we're stewarding our time how we're stewarding our finances it's a matter of urgency externally for those unbelieving family members around us, colleagues and friends. But then there's also a call to a matter of urgency within ourselves, internally. Is salvation a matter of urgency for me, personally, with my growth and maturing in my relationship with God? Because salvation is not just about pie in the sky when you die. Amen? It's about also steak on your plate while you wait. Or, um, I don't know what's a vegan uh, approach to that. But um, you get obviously vegan steaks as well, so here you go. Um, it's really important for us to, to consider both of those avenues as to the urgency of salvation 
for the unbelievers around us, but then also salvation within ourselves, allowing us, as the word says, working out our salvation. There's a working out of our salvation, having the, what is on the inside to come to the outside. Because on the inside, it, it means nothing to the world out there. Salvation on the inside of the believer is not, that doesn't have anything to do with the world. It's not even having an infa- impact on you. We need to have salvation be worked out in our lives, in every avenue, so that it can actually be a ble- become a blessing to us and the unbelieving world around us. Because we need to realize ultimately, we can't wait till tomorrow because there might not be a tomorrow. That's the reality of this life that we're living in. It's short-lived. There might not be a tomorrow for the person on your hit list that you're saying like, maybe I'll share with them tomorrow. Maybe I'll share with them next week. There might not be a tomorrow. So let's stir up an urgency for what is urgent to God. Verse 3. We live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us. Our lives and the message of the gospel we bring to people needs to be pure and about glorifying Jesus. We need to become convinced of what is the message of the gospel because that is what we need to bring to people. It can't be fancy stories or... Let's not dilute the power and the impact and the effect that the gospel can have on our lives by by making things that it's not. The gospel is a specific message about Christ. And let it be about that. As Paul instructed and shared boldly with the church, we live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us. So the way that we live our lives, the way that we teach and minister the gospel, let it be in accordance with the word of God so that it can actually be a blessing to people and have them open up their hearts to Jesus. Because ultimately, if it's not about Jesus, if it's not all about Him, what He accomplished for us through His death and His resurrection, if it's not about all about uh, His unmerited grace and favor, then people respond to your version of the gospel and it leads to no fruitfulness. And there's a lot of believers in this world, praise God for the believers, but there's a lot of believers in this world and I, I at times are oh, maybe one of them and in times past was definitely one of them who just live for the temporal, just live for me, myself, and I, and my relationship with God. And it doesn't really matter about what, what's happening to the world out there. It was all about me, my empire, and me naming and claiming what God has promised me, and uh, uh, having my, my prayer list of uh, my mansions, and my successes, and my careers in this life. And it's got nothing to do with eternity. It's got nothing to do with eternity. It's got very little to do with God. Because God's will is again for the world to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. And we need to accept that, embrace that, and not ignore that that is God's plan and His purpose for us. That is the, 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 the equation of spiritual maturity. It's salvation and growing an understanding of what that means, who Jesus is. Like I said, comparing uh, Christianity or uh, a lot of Christians' lives to a lot of Muslims' lives is this question of do we really believe what we believe? Or are we just cultural Christians? Ticking a box and just uh, being a Christian when it suits us. When you're around a group of people and they talk about Jesus, you're like, oh, okay, that's a, I can talk with them because I'm also a Christian. Or do we allow and use the Word of God to say what we wanted to say? Because that's also fun, right? Taking Scripture out of context to suit my personal uh, desires. 
We see a whole bunch of mess and chaos in this world because people are, are, are corrupting the Word of God, twisting it, making it say things that it doesn't say. Am I living a life reflecting, in some ways at least, the nature and the character of God? That is the purpose and the will of God. It's transformation. It's representing Christ, representing Him well. How do you reflect someone, you might wonder, might ask? Some people are trying to reflect to God as and trying to represent Him by human effort. Man, and it puts a bitter taste in all of our mouths. Those hypocritical Christians that none of us have ever been. We know what hypocritical behavior looks like because we, we've done it ourselves. But praise God that we are maturing out of that. Stop putting our best foots forward with regards to who God is and within the body of Christ. There's humility. There's openness. It's about exalting Jesus, glorifying Him, not man. It's not about glorifying man and what we've done for God and what we are doing for Him and building our empires and our ministries. No, it's His ministry. We are ambassadors of Him. And so it's not about trying to be like God. It's not trying to give our lives to Jesus. I love that one song we sang. Jesus, we love you, we love you, love you. Or Jesus, I love you, I love you, I love you. That ultimately, I love singing that song because I know as I'm singing that song, I'm singing it because He loves me. And you might be singing that song because you are trying to love God. You might try, try to do things currently because you're trying to love God. Stop trying to love Him. You are failing at it. Every believer who's trying to love God will at some point or another fail at it and fail at it miserably, horribly. It will be catastrophic. We see it within the body of Christ, leaders falling left, right, and center. And maybe they started off well, as we see in the Bible, by His grace, His marvelous mercies. But then they start to ignore what that means, forget about what that means. Let's not become forgetful, because ultimately there's only one way that we will remain and continue on this path of maturing and reflecting who God is. And that's found for us in Ephesians chapter 5, last passage of Scripture. Ephesians 5, 1 to 2 from the message translation says, Watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with Him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of Himself to us. Love like that. This passage of Scripture and um, this invitation rings so true, and we see it in human relationships, and I often go back to my sons again. Man, I can tell Chris and Michael to do this, to do that, and give them a whole bunch of instruction. But if I'm living in a way that is contradictory what I'm saying, guess what? What I'm saying will not take root. Because ultimately they will do what I do and not do what I say. And so God is asking you to stop doing what He's saying and start doing what He does. Start learning from Him through relationship. As children does from their parents. God wants to parent you. God wants to father you. Allow Him to father you. Allow Him to take you by the hand and guide you. As Aubrey's word was this morning, beautiful. All of us are, are maturing on our, our stages of growth will look differently because it's relational. It's organic. It's not mechanical. In a religious structure, everyone will look the same. Cookie cutter 
kind of picture. Copy and paste. That is fake. That is temple. That's not God's way. It's organic. It's chaos. It's messy. Ministry is messy. The family of God, it's messy. Because it's relational. God's taking us each by the hand. And through community, through relationships like this, we get to challenge one another. We get to keep each other accountable. Call each other to a higher standard. Because of our love for one another. Because of our love for God. Why? Because He first loved us. I love Ecclesiastes. He says, there's no new thing under the sun. What does that mean? God's way, God's plan, God's purposes from the beginning of time has been the same. It's all about relationship. Come to embrace that. Come to know Him. And then only will you make Him known. You can find more of our free teachings on our website www.gracelife.ca And if you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca